The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to the fantastic, fantastic and project that really is half of what Eyes on the Prize is about. It's the top 25 under 25. Anton Rossegord is with me today and I'm super stoked to start this project because we got some amazing response from last year's top 25 under 25 podcast and Anton and I have built up more or less the eight months since in order to start this, and we're starting it today with a bang. Anton, thank you for joining me, and I hope you are as excited as I am. I am really excited, but all creds go to you, Patrick. You are doing a wonderful job, both with the podcast and with this top 25 under 25. I'm mainly here to support you and and be some sort of, you know, some sort of uh, voice of reason when you get too excited about your uh, European prospects. You, you knock me down, yeah. And and when I get these crazy ideas about how to, uh, whom to invite for for the next podcast or something like that, and we got some great guests coming up that I'm sure about. I can already confirm that we have some really fantastic guests guests that people asked about last year that are on the on the on the roster. We have some favorites coming back. It's going to be a great series. We're trying to expand it a little bit. We're not sure what we can do, but we're trying, and and uh, we hope you will enjoy it. Please leave feedback. Please leave comments please help us with with ideas about whom to invite because there is always going to be someone out there that you think is going to do a great job and we haven't thought about and and we need that little extra push sometimes it's really appreciated and in even if the feedback is negative we 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 take it to our hearts and try to become a better person yeah it's constructive I mean, we're not yeah. perfect. We're amateurs here. We want to be as good as we can, and we can only be as good as as possible with your feedback. And as you said as well, if you have any suggestions for for guests, because we're still, you know, coming up with ideas for for this series and future series as well. Um, in regards to prospects, for example, if you follow someone on Twitter uh, that you know is a great follow for prospect development, um, just write that in the comments maybe and maybe we can get that person uh, for an interview in regards to either the top 25 under 25 or or a future interview and correct me if i'm wrong to the, the usual suspects are part of this um um that has been broken out of, of the community vote and i have forgotten how many it was was it over 400 this this year until... yes it was it was over 400 I so, don't so, know the so, exact amount, but it was over 400, yes. So each vote is more or less uh, 0.25% or, or, of, of, of uh, all the votes. The community casted. vote, yes. Yeah. Um, we have, I think it's Lunchbox Garcia, that, that is one of the uh, guest um, voters, along with 
Jay Levy 88 from, from the comment section. Both of them has participated in a lot of conversations over the year and they have deservedly so been selected to be broken out and, and have their own rankings published. And uh, we are starting with the long shots. This year, it's not five of them. It's not four of them. It's not three of them. It's nine of them. Twelve. No, Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the cider because it's Friday night. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. And um, so it's 12 names that we're going to talk about. It might me mean that this one is a little bit long or it's a little bit confusing, but we will try to keep it as, as good and smart as possible. Um, we did it this way because the separation between most of them, let's be honest about that, were so small that uh, it was better to just have everyone into it rather than break it into two different pods. Um, and let's start with the, the lowest ranked prospect for second or third year running. And it's, uh, it's a fellow Swede, Anton. So, uh, yeah, what shall we say? Uh, Arvid Henriksson is, yeah. again, the lowest ranking player on the list. And, uh, yeah, what can we really, say that hasn't yeah, been said about th him? Exactly. There really isn't much to say uh, anymore. Um, Arvid Henriksson... Uh, was the Canadian's seventh-round pick in uh, 2016. He had a promising career back then, and you know he's still he's still playing hockey at University of Lake Superior, um, but he's not you know qualifying for any junior. Like he, he played junior um, caps for Sweden, if I'm not mistaken, and he, he was really big uh, as an 18-year-old. So it was a lot of, like, the Canadians took a flyer on a big defenseman in the seventh round. We saw the same thing in 2019 with Kieran Ryshinsky. And last year, those two were the bottom ranked um, on the top 25, under 25 for 2020. Uh, Ryshinsky didn't get um, an entry-level deal, and uh, Arvid Henriksson is still... Uh, well, let's be honest. Well, he, he, not, he's not going to get one either. No, no, no. No, of course. he He's only here because, well... Since he went the NCAA route, he still <clears throat> qualifies as, as a Canadian's prospect. Um, he's 23, so he will be eligible for next year's ranking as well, I think, because I don't think he is on his senior year. I think he's on his junior, junior year now. Um, so, yeah, we, we will have him <laughs> probably on next year as well. Uh, he's climbed yeah. a spot it's, from it's his, 43 yeah. to 42. Yeah, obviously yes. there is only 42 <laughs> prospects this year. Yeah, but, you know, it, it was kind of a no-brainer. Like, nothing against uh, Arvid, of course. Uh, we wish him all the best. And he gets a good university uh, education at Lake Superior. But there is no way that the Canadians will sign him to a contract. Um, last year, he had one assist in 29 games um, in the uh, NCAA. The season before that, he had one goal and one assist on 37 games. Obviously, he's a defenseman, so it doesn't matter what stats he has, but it's just, it's a low low level. And uh, yeah, he's... If um, I remember correctly, he was an assistant captain with AIK when they won the junior championships. He had a standout uh, junior championship run in Sweden. Uh, but yeah... It's maybe his leadership abilities and his skating has never really been up to par. I know, and I think I have said this on podcasts and might even have said it on last year's podcast, that he was being offered around to some of the SHL teams uh, and the good ones passed on him. And he ended up playing, I think it was two minutes for, for Örebro that was not yeah. a top team at that time. Uh, but in the end, he went the NCAA route and uh, good luck to him. And yeah. let's move good on luck. before we 
Swedes stay with the Swede. For he calls that 41st, we have Jack Smith. And his ranking is a little bit more interesting, though, because it goes from number 31 to number 41. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jack Smith has fallen. I, I don't think it's um, a lot. Big, like, it's kind of Jack Smith will always be grouped together with Blake Biondi. Um, I think me and Jared talked about that on last week's podcast as well, because they are both from Minnesota. Uh, they were both picked in the fourth round within a few picks of each other for the Canadians. Uh, they are listed as forwards. They are kind of like winger center hybrids. It's not quite decided yet where they will actually play. And if we look at Jack Smith, he didn't, he wasn't eligible for the NCAA last season. So while uh, Blake Biondi took the step up to go to Minnesota Duluth already, well, if you call it this season or last season, 2020-2021, Jack Smith had to play one season of USHL hockey with the Sioux Falls Stampede. And he didn't exactly light the world on fire. He had 13 points in 47 games um, and 60 penalty minutes. So he will go to Minnesota Duluth this year to accompany Blake Biondi. And we'll see if NCAA can make him, uh, you know, switch gears. But I think 41 is a, I mean, it's a bit low on a fourth round prospect who's only one year removed of, of being one of the uh, best players in the uh, high school leagues in Minnesota. But um, I mean, he had 30 points in, in 11 games. Uh, so yeah, I had him ranked 37, I think. So it's not a big deal. I mean, he, he was... He ended up at 41st place because he didn't have any high votes, basically. Um, Indeed. And and I think it's also, let, let's be honest here, uh, partly from, from, from my own point of view and, and partly from, from, I think, everyone's point of view, it was a more difficult year in regards to, to ranking prospects uh, in the top 25, under 25. And I, we know that not everyone has ranked more than 25 either. You had to rank 25 in order to participate. But in, in the rest of, the, of, of them will have lesser votes because not everyone has ranked 42 prospects. Uh, but Jack Smith is, is obviously one of those who suffers because he didn't play enough games this year because of COVID. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, let's just hope that Jack Smith, you know, we know that as a, as a freshman at university this season, uh, he will probably not get a lot of minutes, uh, but he has shown before when he was playing high school hockey that he has a lot of qualities. Um, and uh, who knows in a year, he may have taken a, a huge step up with a, with a good, uh, good freshman season. We don't know. The, the, these prospects will either stay low or, or jump very high. There is nothing in between really. Uh, uh, when we look at uh, the trends from, from the last couple of, of top 25s and 25s, which leads us to Jo Verbetik or Vrbatec, or in many different ways you can pronounce that name. Yeah, it sounds like he has uh, Croatian um, or Serbian um, roots or something. I mean, he's born in Ontario, but uh, seventh round pick uh, in the 200s by the Canadians this year. A big towering goalie, 6'6", 190. Um, the Canadians have taken shots on, on a goalie like this in um, the three the last three drafts with uh, Frederik Dishov and um, uh, Jakub Dobesh. And now it was uh, the turn of, uh, of going the Canadian route and um, picking up Joe Verbetic. Um, he will play in the OHL uh, this season. He played in the OHL. Oh, well, he played in the OHL already in 1920. 
Um, and then obviously the OHL was canceled, so he didn't play for a year. Um, the Canadians must have liked something in his development to take a flyer on him. We know that basically they selected Caden Primo in the same range back in uh, 2017, and that worked out really well. So uh, it will be interesting to follow uh, Joe Verbetic in uh, North Bay this season and, and see what, what he can do, um, what he has been doing in, in the year off from uh, OHL hockey. And you, you pointed out something very interesting, I think. Partly you, you, you spoke on the trend of goalkeepers being picked very late, similar kind of goalkeepers. Uh, and we can start with that. You, you saw this trend or, or have seen it before, but you spoke to me about it just before we started recording. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I, I think that obviously goalies are, are difficult to evaluate for, for anyone. You can say in the last three drafts, for example, we have with had uh, what are considered to be generational goalie prospects. So we've had um, Spencer Knight in 2019, uh, Yaroslav Askarov in 2020. Who has a great game right now with Ska, let's be honest about that. Just yeah, he, he may actually be a generation, generational goalie talent. Uh, but then now in 2021, we actually had two goalies picked in the uh, before, uh, well, in the first 20 picks with Jesper Wallstedt and Sebastian Kossa. Um, but it's so difficult to know actually what you get. We saw that this year with Jack Campbell, who was, I think he was picked like number 11 or something, like 10 years ago. Um, and he was considered a generational goalie prospect at the time, but he hasn't developed into a somewhat viable starter until now. And we saw with someone like the recently, um, the recently, what do you call it? Uh, who recently called it quits? Henrik Lundqvist, uh, our great king, king, of, king of New York. Uh, yeah, retiree. Um, he was picked in the seventh round, right? And he didn't develop until he was, uh, or de- didn't develop into a, an NHL caliber goalie until he was like 24, 25. And then he had a fantastic, fantastic career. So it's difficult. Like, I think the Canadians are just thinking like, well, we need a long-term solution for a carry price because he's not getting any younger. So we might as well throw out a dart in every draft and just see what ends up sticking. Because I think they like the size of these goalies. Um, And I think that with Primo, it worked out much better than anyone could have imagined. With Dishov, Dobish, and Verbetic, uh, the jury's still out. And we don't really know what we're going to get because, you know, just confidence and playing time and, and just having um, the ability to to know where you're going to play for a year or two. Like with Frederick Dishov, for example, he has bounced around from Malmo to De- Denmark to uh, Canada and then it was cancelled there. So now he's back in Sweden. Like, obviously, that is going to hamper your development. Um, it will hamper this this past season will hamper a lot of development let's be honest with that definitely uh, and and but you also pointed out something really interesting that it seems like canadians are going with uh, more europeans and more mm. ncaa prospects yeah exactly uh we saw that uh, trevor timmins spoke about that after the 2020 draft as well that well since you were kind of punting away a year uh, because of COVID or, or actually kind of a year and a half, then it was better to to have these prospects that you know that you can keep in your system like an Arvid Henriksson for four or five years instead of having to decide on a guy like 
well, this year they had to decide on Johnny Fairbrother, Jacob Leguerrier, uh, Kieran Ryshinsky. And last year was like all these prospects. Uh, it was Kilf, um it was Cole Fonstad, it was Samuel Luhud, uh, Alan McShane, and Cam Hillis. Um, so when you pick someone who is in the CHL, you only have two years until you have to make a decision. Either bring them in, and then they have to compete for one of the 50 spots, or just let them go and potentially end up regretting it later. Um, with the NCAA guys and the European guys, you don't have to make a decision so so fast. So you can get someone who just blossoms into a quality NHL player at 21, 22. Um, and uh, that's good for your development. You, you can sign them like Jordan Harris, for example. He was picked in 2018, right? And he's going into his senior year of college now. Um, and it's even better with Russians because you actually hold their rights for... for their whole career more or less because they don't have an agreement with the NHL. Yep. So, so you just have to take into account, they might stay a couple of years extra uh, as Kaprizov did and, and Sorokin did and, and uh, a lot of others did. Robanov obviously being an exception going very early, but, but obviously he, he was promised a lot and uh, I think he has more to prove, but, but obviously he has already made an impression. So, so that's fair, but but it's it's a it's it's speaks also like, you know, in the sixth seventh round, you pick a Russian because you, you keep their rights forever. Yeah, uh, yeah. which like brings us to Ale- it. like he's not in this pod, but Alexander Gordon, for example, that yeah. they picked last year, he was an overager, but you know that you keep his rights for a long time, so why not? It's Gordon, I think as well. Uh, I, I asked, Is he French? No, but I think Jillian uh, Kemmerer uh, pronounced it that way. Okay, okay. If she says Gordon, we're going with Gordon. It was more, more, more abrupt, more Russian to it, but yeah, yeah something like that. But obviously, for, for history people, uh, Tsar Peter the Great and Katharina, they imported a lot of, of, of the French and Dutch people into the Russian courts in order for, for Russian society to prosper. And uh, maybe some of those names live live, live on. Mm. And speaking uh, of Eastern European names, we have Jack Gorniak at number 39. Indeed, we have. And it's, it's also sort of the same kind of bracket here. There is one or two. Um, and for once, I'm not one of the worst ones. Um, <laughs> that, that goes a little bit off the record. But I think this is expected in in the post 25 or maybe post 28 because you have sort of a top 25 that is fairly yeah. certain about but then you start going like now nah, i put this one in and i throw this one out yeah. And, yeah and you look at your, your elite prospects and go how how old is this guy yeah further down or or he scored a lot yeah that's further up and and stuff like that everyone does their own uh, some some guys are probably you know super skilled at this and, and I, I, I respect you guys for being that. Uh, I'm not. And, and this year was even worse for me, but I, at least I hadn't been drinking this time. So, so it turned out quite reasonably well. But on the other hand, I did it in 10 minutes because I was late. Uh, so, so our esteemed uh, chief editor, Justin, uh, he uh, told me I had 10 minutes to, to get it in. And, and I did. Uh, but yeah, Gorniak. Um, Top vote twenty nine, uh, yeah. bottom vote obviously forty, 40 right? Yeah, yeah, forty. It was Jared was the mean guy here? Indeed. What? But yeah, 
he has that draft um, like combined draft prospects he, he probably ranks from as well so yeah 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 of course I mean, Jack Gorniak is just, he's been kind of living in the shadows since uh, since Cole Caulfield came to Wisconsin because when Cole Caulfield came there and you saw how how he lit the NCAA on fire, that was kind of like, yeah, Jack Gorniak, like he's also there, but he plays like fourth, fourth line minutes and he didn't perform very well. Then he actually started last year really well. And he actually like, I remember like um, in, in the first few weekends, he was actually playing better than uh, than Caulfield was looking because that could also be because we have much higher expectations on Cole Caulfield obviously um, but also we have that thing with Caulfield trying to do a little bit too much almost at the start exactly David San Louis wrote uh, a piece about that like that Caulfield was trying to uh, basically be the whole entire team uh, ahead of the world junior championships and and for uh, for a guy like uh, Jack Gorniak, it's been uh, a different route. Uh, he's going into senior year now, so I'm guessing the Canadians will uh, have to make a decision on him uh, this upcoming year. As it looks now, I don't think he's going to earn um, an entry-level deal. Uh, does he have a future in hockey? Absolutely. Uh, I think so. But, yeah, but also, has... again, getting a free education. Of course, yeah, at a great university as well. Like, I mean, fun to live in Madison, Wisconsin, and and uh, study with um, with the Badgers. Uh, but yeah, I don't think that he has shown enough progress in these three years. It will be interesting to see though if he will be one of those guys that Wisconsin will call upon to as a senior leader and everything that he will be relied upon in a better way because it feels like he has been kind of put uh, like he has been put into unfavorable situations for three years now where he hasn't really been given uh the opportunity to shine uh use his speed and creativity really um he's been kind of uh yeah put it put in uh, bottom six roles for his entire stint there so yeah if he gets a more favorable situation maybe he can blossom this year but he's um low in the rankings i think he was about the same ranking last year as well i think it was 38th so he has basically remained um the same ranking um for for um these two uh last top 25s and and if i remember correctly we have another stationary prospect um uh, arson shizamachina of the firestarter he hasn't really blossomed in the ahl either and, yeah. and uh, one has to wonder how long. I think he has one year left on his contract, right? Yeah, and, he had a two-year entry-level deal. Yeah. yeah, and I would assume he goes back to the KHL with the experience that that he has from from Laval. And and uh, I can't really see him getting into to the Montreal lineup this year either. That will mean if if he gets into the lineup, Montreal is in the lottery position. So so um, yeah, unfortunately. But I think, again, it was worth a flyer. Big guy um, playing tough minutes in, in, in uh, MHL and VHL. Um, mm. He was part of the VHL All-Star team, if I remember correctly. And, and uh, yeah, he, he had a, it was worth a shot. And I think I'm rather happy that, you rather, that, that Montreal seems to take flyers in the bottom two, three rounds than yeah. go for some average pick that people expect them to make are rather in some ways go with that fire, get that home run. I think, I think it's worth, it, it will probably pan out more in the long run because you, you might not get a bottom six player, but you might get that first or second line player just by mistake. As we've seen 
a little bit. Tampa has been great at it. Toronto has done it, or Montreal has done it before. And and you 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 get these or or the Datsuk, the the Setterbergs, the the uh, the Lundqvists. You, you, let's remember. I mean, Joel Lundqvist, who plays for Frölunda, he went in the third round to Dallas, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But and and obviously we can. It's not even close about who has had the best career, and I say that with a heavy-hearted Frölunda uh, fan. But but yeah, it's it's uh, Joel Lundqvist is probably the best captain in in Europe as a leader, uh, and and the impact he makes on the young players. But he's not the best player. Let's be honest. Yeah, about but that. yeah, but yeah, but as as you say, like the draft is crapshoots, and whoever thinks that they have found the solution of drafting lies. Because no one can evaluate an 18-year-old and say that I know that this guy is going to succeed. It doesn't work that way. Um, we have seen it with everyone from Neil Yakupov to you know Henrik Sederberg, who was drafted in the eighth round, I think. Um, so I think Montreal has done really well with their late picks in the last four or five drafts. We see it with Jake Evans. We see it with Caden Primo. We saw it last year in Laval with Raphael Arby Pinard. Um, as a seventh round overager. And if you get just some kind of value out of a late round pick, you know, that's impressive in its own right, because there was a reason why that player wasn't picked in the first 200 picks. So you have to see something that you can develop and just like with the goalies, for example, you see the size and you see that if they are just put in a more favorable situation, get some quality tips from, you know, good goaltending coaches, maybe they can develop into something that we can use as an asset. Um, Jack Gorniak, I think it was a fifth round pick. He was a speedy winger um, when he was drafted back in, I think it was 2018. Yes, fourth round pick in 2018. Um, then he had played two games in the USHL. And then he had played for Team Wisconsin in the UMHSEHL and in the uh, high school series for, uh, for Wisconsin. So you didn't really know what you were going to get. Um, and the same with Arsene Chisamutinov. He was a double overager. And you could see the size and you could see that he had a knack for actually being more creative with the puck than he should be at that size. So why not take a flyer on him? If he doesn't develop, well, at least you took a shot on someone who potentially could be something more than just AHL depth. Now it seems like he's going to top out at AHL depth, but at least you took a chance on someone with qualities to do something more. Indeed, and and obviously you had to go with that name. It's it's great. That's, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. His name is probably sixty five percent why they drafted him as well. Yeah, obviously. Uh, now the Russian scout has done an amazing job. Let's be honest about that. And uh, uh, he deserves to get the chance to take a flyer on someone um, after the Romanov pick. I, I think that was uh, part of it as well. Uh, looking at and number thirty seven, Nikita Sherbak pick. Yeah. Um, um, Michael Pizzetta is number 37. Yeah. Is there a lot to say about him at this time? I don't know. I had him second to last. And that's not because I dislike Michael Pizzetta. It's just because he's 23. And I think he's going to top out as bottom six AHL. Uh, he's a feisty guy. Um, feels very, uh, you know, Italian-American style. Uh, <laughs> no, but he's like, he's, uh, he is a bolt of energy. But I feel like his hockey skills are... 
not Backing. enough for yeah there are not enough at least to to you know warrant a place further up the lineup we'll see what um head coach Ud thinks for this year but i couldn't really warrant personally putting michael Pazetta higher up than any of the prospects that i still feel you know they have the years ahead of them to develop into something potentially more um while michael Pazetta, I, I feel like you know he got an extension and congratulations to him. And I think he's a great, he seems like a great locker room guy in Laval as well. Uh, but it feels like those kind of hockey players quality wise are kind of like dime a dozen. Uh, like, I mean, they, yeah, I, I don't think, I, I think, I don't think he's going to ever be called upon to lead Laval into the promised land. And on 36, we have someone that I might have influenced with one of my articles uh, or, or interviews prior to this, and, and you might go back and listen to it. But it's Friedrich Dijov, the the, uh, the Danish goalkeeper, now playing in Kristianstad in Sweden. And please don't try to pronounce that if you're American. Uh, no. But but yeah, uh, he has an opportunity here. Uh, together with a New York pro- uh, Rangers prospect, I forgot his name, I think it's Ulla something, um, he has a chance to play for the top spot. Uh, they will definitely share the workload during the year. Uh, it will be an interesting year. I, I think a little bit it's a do-or-die year for, for, for Dishov because he has the chance here to, to build something in arguably a decent kind of league uh, mm-hmm. and, and against men as well. Um, and it will give more of a reflection on where he can go from here. Either it's up and, and he will take a big jump up next year or is probably down because we've seen that he might not make it. Yeah. As we say, like goalies tend to develop late. It's just great if he gets playing time at a, you know, at a reasonably high level. Uh, now that his OHL stint didn't work out the way that he was hoping for, uh, obviously due to COVID. Um, so, you know, he hasn't played a lot of the games for, yeah, well, in 1920, he played for the J20 team in, in Malmo. He played 24 games and had an 891 save percentage. Then he only played six games in 2021 20, um, in total. Yeah, so, in Danish League, which is maybe yeah. the best European league either. But... He played really well during his few games there, but it's still, you know, it's Danish hockey league. So we don't really know what to... As Swedes, we would like to think that our under twenty leagues, uh, under twenty teams, would win it. They probably yeah. wouldn't, but we we still think so. Yeah, it's kind of like you know, saying that you play well in the British Hockey League is kind of like yeah. I mean, it's great that you are playing well, but it's the British Hockey League. But they have they have awesome names in the British Hockey League. Sheffield Steelers, isn't it? Yeah, but the, have you seen the the was it the uh, the Devils from Cardiff? No, you know no, that I logo haven't. is pretty neat, and you going back to Wales just saying that. Yeah. I will have to check them out. And then obviously you have the clan up in, in Glasgow, I think it is. And or I said that with a wee bit of Scottish accent because I love Glasgow. <laughs> um, Jacob Dobish, another prospect yeah. uh, coming in there. And no, sorry, Blake Beyond, Beyond is number 35. Have I scrolled yeah. down for too long? No, I haven't. Uh, is, is number 35. And uh, we're on 12 prospects here. So of course I'm going to make mistakes. Um, yeah. And it was probably a mistake by me ranking him 24th, but I, I was in a hurry and, and it was a name I recognized, so I put him in. On the other hand, I know I'm very low on two other European prospects and I give you their names and, and, and my thoughts on them later on. But 
which means that I will have some others that I'm completely out of whack on the other way as well. But I we mean, mentioned him, we spoke about uh, him. He's had yeah, a- I was gonna say I was gonna say about Blippi John beyond he will always have that he was Mr. Hockey in Minnesota uh, yeah. as a high school senior. So you know, kudos to him. Um I'm still curious why I mean if he was so great in, in high school hockey, um why the Canadians um chose to select Jack Smith ahead of him. Um that means that they must see something more in Jack Smith or something that other teams would value more. So I'm just wondering what, you know, obviously they liked Beyondy enough to select him. And like, we know that one name who we haven't heard yet on the list was selected be uh, like behind them both. And that was Sean Farrell. So Beyondy is, yeah, he had only played high school hockey at the time. And now he went up to the NCAA with Minnesota Duluth and had five points in 26 games. But it's difficult, as we said before with Smith, it's difficult to be a freshman in, in the NCAA. So this and, and also really let's remember a... these guys are 18. A lot happens at 18. Yeah, yeah of course. So, so it, it, it is that step. And I think if I remember correctly, because this is how old I am, if I remember correctly, at eight, eight, 17 or 18, Mats Naslund was considered, no, Marcus Naslund was considered more of a hockey talent than Peter Forsberg was. Well, uh, Marcus Neslin was still pretty good in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that, but but it's a, it's still a massive difference between them career wise. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I like them both. I I, yeah. I I obviously cheered for them a lot during their national careers, and uh, there there was this time when they played Malmo in the in the final where I cheered for Modo really really hard and hoped they would winning win it. Obviously, they didn't. Um, uh, some of the most famous. Uh, TV pictures with Peter Forsberg in Sweden came that night. But on the other hand, uh, a lot happens at 18. And it's yeah. you said it before, it's, it's difficult to evaluate. Uh, it's difficult to see how they can adjust to another league, to a better league, to a bigger league, league with, with better players and, and bigger players. And in Europe, it might be easier because you transition into the SHL or the Liga or, or, or KHL down the line. But but it's 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 difficult when you go high school hockey to to obviously to university. Exactly because as you say, like being the oldest one in high school and then going to being the youngest one uh, at college, and all of a sudden you're playing with guys who are 21, maybe 22, 23 years old. Um, obviously, that's going to be a difference, and and you're not you're no longer the star. You're just the freshman coming in and having to fight for your spot. And for someone who obviously was a big star in high school, yeah, that's a big difference. Maybe you're playing like third, fourth line minutes and you have to grind grind your way through uh, to actually even get minutes um, and, and really perform well in, in the few opportunities you get to be able to advance higher up in the lineup. I mean, not everyone is a Cole Caulfield-esque talent who can just go in and dominate um, an NCAA league as a freshman. Or, or a um, top talent from in, in the SHL that goes from a junior league at 16, yeah. 17 into a top-line role or a top defensive role in, in, in mm. the pro league. Um, let's be honest about that. Uh, we'll work on to, to another big goalie than Jacob Dobich. Yeah, exactly. The third of the... Uh, the uh, three, the three musketeers. I was gonna say, like with uh, with Verbetic and uh, 
and Dichov. Uh, yeah, Dobish is also big. He's 6'5", 201 pounds. He did have a, quite a good year in the USHL last year. Over 47 games, he had a 2.48 goals against average and a 9.08 save percentage, which isn't bad playing in the USHL where it's kind of like open doors. Uh, he will play with Ohio, the sorry the Ohio State University this season, um, and um, it will be interesting to see how he tackles NCAA. Because personally, if I were to bet on any one of these three goalies um, as a potential Canadian's entry level contract in the future, right now I would probably bet on Dobish. Obviously, that shows in your ranking as well at thirty six. Whereas uh, Scott had him at 23. It was a very spread out <laughs> voting in, in, this, yeah. in this case. Um, the average is probably right. Eyes on the prize, have him at 35. He ends up at 34th. Uh, so, so I think it's the community vote is very strong, obviously, because the outlier sort of evens out from either end. So, so it's, it's a great thing to look at. Uh, 34th, yeah, uh, probably fair. Uh, uh, but but it's more spread out maybe than some of the others that has been above, which leads us to Xavier Simono, and I think uh, I pronounced he, that pretty decently for being. Yeah, you did, you did. Um, here I was the high, uh, I was the high votes on uh, on Simono, and uh, maybe that is with the the recency bias of Rafael Pinar's development in in Montreal. But you know, you see a guy who has performed really well in the uh, in the queue for a number of years and um, who kind of gets that last chance before he was to uh, become a free agent by the local team obviously um, he's short he's 57 uh, he doesn't weigh a lot he's 174 pounds um, and I think the Canadians decided to take a um, I, I think the Canadians have looked at him I think Trevor Tim said that as well they've looked at him for years uh, but now was the ultimate opportunity to bring him into uh, into the organization? A little bit um, like a Chisamuchino last year before he goes out yeah. in, in free agency. Exactly, pick yeah. him in order to not compete with other teams. Yeah, so so you get the rights to him for for a couple of years um, instead of having, as you say, having to fight with others for his attention. If we look at uh, Simonu's uh, career in the queue, he had two hundred twenty eight points in two hundred four games over five seasons. Um, and he was the captain for uh, for Drummondville uh, Voltigeurs, Voltigeurs for the last two years. So obviously there's some kind of leadership qualities as well, as was with Raphael Arby Pinar. And I think the Canadians think uh, that maybe they found a diamond in the rough. They know as well, they've seen with both Cole Caulfield and Sean Farrell that um, short doesn't have to mean anything in today's hockey. What do you mean? Uh, I think Gallagher that... is like a mountain. Exactly. No, we've seen that with Gallagher as well. So I think and that Cowfield now, is now just... proving everyone right that you have to be six foot six. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the that's the interesting part because the Canadians have decided to draft first a really short guy in 2019 first round, and then following it up in 2020 and 21 with two towering mountains of defensemen in, in the first round. So uh, the Canadians are, are all over the map when it comes to uh, first round prospects. But when it comes to Simono, I think that if he wasn't 5'7", with the resume that he has from the queue, I think he would have been drafted in his first year of eligibility. I think that a lot of teams want to see a bit more and see how 
you know, how he would continue to develop when you know now he's 20, for example, you can see a little bit more maybe what kind of player he will become. And then it was just luck, I feel like, that the Canadians uh, got the opportunity to bring him in. Um, it looks like he will play for Charlottetown this year as an overager in the queue. Um, I, I thought it was going to go to Trois-Rivers. Maybe that is the case. I'm just looking at the um, I'm just looking at his profile on Elite Prospects, and it says that he's going to play for Charlottetown. So if he gets signed to Trois Rivières, that would be great. I think that would be you know if he gets some sort of AHL deal or uh, you know play with the ECHL uh, for a year and just see how he stands up to uh, well senior league play. Uh, that would be great. He, he would be one of the first ones I would try to sign to Trois-Rivières and really bring into the system because I think, um, yeah, I think there could be something uh, good in the making for uh, for young Simono. Then we have um, Danili uh, Sobolev, who I think was in the Spartak system, but leaving for OHL this year. Yeah, I'm actually like, this is the guy that I completely forgot in la, in this year's draft. And I know that a couple of the other guys here at the Habsides on the Price were quite high on him because when they read up on him after the draft, um, they saw a lot of good qualities um, and looked at his videos and everything. Also um, leaving for OHL points to an NHL aim rather than a KHL aim. Exactly. Uh, like he was going to play with Windsor last year in the OHL, but obviously that went out the window. So it looks like he didn't play any games. Um, he had 48 games in the MHL the season before and was called up to uh, the Russia's, Russia's under-17 team without playing. But he had played for the under-17 team for Russia before. So Daniel Sobolev... I know that he was ranked by um, by uh, the Elite Prospect Draft Guide. I know that they had some some uh, tape on him, um, but I can't really say a lot about him as prospect. It looks like if, if he still weighs 154 pounds, well, then he needs to gain a few. Uh, I think uh, for, for me, I think the and, and it doesn't show in my ranking if I'm correct here, but I think that David San Louis was more impressed with. Uh, Sobolev than Kostenko. Then, then Kostenko. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that should really point to something that we all should keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah. I, I obviously wrote the, uh, like, getting to know profile on Kostenko. So uh, when you do a profile like that, you kind of start, you know, to root for the guy. So naturally, I'm higher on Kostenko now. <laughs> but, uh, but I know the know, feeling, let's be honest. Who can, yeah. yeah, who can argue with Davis and Louis? He knows prospects way better than I do. So if he believes more in Sobolev. Than, I think as well that Kostenko is more of a risk taker uh, as a player. And Sobolev is more, you know, he's more risk averse. If I can, like he skates subtle, well and he does. Maybe. Yeah, he does. He seems to do, you know, a lot of things reasonably well. While Kostenko is more like, um, you don't really know what you're going to get. More of a boom or bust kind of prospect. That's at least, you know why I can imagine that, you know, at this time, uh, when they're both 18, that David would be higher on, on uh, Sobolev. Yeah, and that was a reference to the Rolling Stones and Charlie Watts, obviously. You can't always get what you want. Uh, Rest in peace, Charlie. Yeah, one of the great drummers of, of music industry in the, yeah, I was say the say millennium, well. this, this millennium and, and, and probably the 1900s. And also the only Rolling Stone who actually looked like he was alive. 
<laughs> well, unfortunately, he isn't. And I think they're going no. on tour as well. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, going towards the last one of this episode is Red Pitlick. And um, yeah, I'm 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 not even the worst guy here either. I, I have been at one or two of the others, and obviously not mm. pointed it out because that, that why give yourself some some bad press. But but yeah, I'm being saved here by by uh, someone of the community. <laughs> Let's yeah. leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Red Pitlick. I'm not really sure, and and this is. When I came to this level in, in the rankings, I was like, I'm not really sure. I'm just going to toss them down the, the list of behind prospects that I'm more sure of. And I'm not sure. I know he, he, he has a decent career. Will he continue to play hockey? Yeah, I can see that. But is he an NHLer? No. Uh, will I care a lot if, he get, if he's lost in a trade? Definitely not. No. So hence why I laughed. Just... He just—it was one of those players that just slid down the list further and further. Yeah, it's kind of uh, difficult as well because with Pitlick, he has still only played in the uh, USHL, and I remember I was gonna check that out now because I know that Pitlick had a great uh, partnership when he was at—I uh, think it was in Muskegon when he was Muskegon Lumberjacks. He had a great partnership with a Russian uh, prospect who went quite high in last year's draft. And I don't know if it was David or someone else who said like, well, Pitlick has produced well, but he has done so because of this Russian guy who was um, a considerably more touted talent. And um, so that we shouldn't read too much into it. And then he was traded again. So he's been in three USHL teams now. Omaha Lancers, Muskegon Lumberjacks, and now tri- well, Tri-City Storm for... Uh, the last part of, of last year and he had 20 points in 26 game, games in Tri-City um, and now he's actually finally going to university and playing at University of Minnesota not Minnesota Duluth but just University of Minnesota Golden Gophers um, there you know will be the obvious question as well he's 20 now so he's not a spring chicken will he be able to compete in the NCAA uh, from the start of his career there possibly um it will be interesting to see if he can just transcend into something more than just a guy who has a lot of speed because that's basically what he has been living on in the ushl that he is a speedy ass winger um i don't know red pitlick i mean he has the pedigree of of a hockey family his cousin is tyler pitlick uh I don't know if he's going to end up being signed by the Canadians, but I think that when you have that pace on your skates combined with um, some sort of uh, ability to produce points, then you're always going to be some sort of asset in one of what is now three teams uh, with Trois-Rivières obviously um, getting into the organization. So I think that it could be like a couple of years in the NCAA for Pitlick, and then maybe he gets signed to uh Laval and then we'll see if he takes a spot there. Uh I'm just but yeah. in, in some ways it comes down to me like I get it. Um Montreal picks the small guys and, and obviously Tampa has had the uh the pedigree in, in succeeding he's, with he's five eleven of... so he's not that small. No but it's it's considered small when you look at ice hockey players. Yeah yeah sure sure but I'm just saying like I mean he he's not like he's not a Sean Farrell or Simono no. who's like 5'7". Or, or a uh, Mr. But, Cowfield kind of guy. 
Yeah, I was going to say, like, I mean, I think for me, for my ranking, it was kind of like when I saw uh, that Sean Farrell um, had to stay for one more year because Harvard obviously didn't play last year and he played for uh, another year in the USHL and he just bombarded points like he had a hundred something points in 50 games and then you see someone like Rhett Pitlick who has been uh, in the organization uh, since 2018 and you don't see him putting up numbers at any kind of level close to that then you kind of like start to just think of both of those prospects in in a different way maybe like when you see someone else performing so well in in the same in a similar environment and then you see pit lake maybe not uh well as i said before is setting the world on fire then you kind of like yeah well maybe he's more of a project than was initially considered because he was number 26 last year so he was just missing out on the top 25 and i think he was in the top 25 the year before that so he's kind of been falling back. Indeed. And we're going to leave you with that because uh, <laughs> there is more episodes to come and it would be a Mastodont episode. I think Mark Dumont's episode where we went through the whole list last year ended up at one, one and a half hour or something like that. Uh, hopefully it won't come to that. But, uh, mm. but uh, we hope you enjoy this first show. Uh, we certainly enjoyed it even if we don't always know as much as we want about some of these prospects, uh, please leave comments in the article with the shows, uh, with, the, with, with the profiles of, of, of the players. Uh, we, we're going to read all it. We're not going to have articles for every show. We're going to just slam them into to some of the articles where they feel uh, good. So uh, make sure to update your podcast provider, uh, Spotify, Google, Google Podcast, I don't know, Apple Podcast and Google Play and what you are using. Yeah, you can or, always you can always comment on uh, on Patrick's Twitter as well. Yeah, I I, I read it and uh, I'm I'm not the guy that blocks you. Let's be honest with that. <laughs> yes, uh, but but yeah, uh, it's a pleasure starting this with you, Anton, and I I can't I can't state how much I'm looking forward to the road ahead with these podcasts because I think they will be great. Yep. It's a lot of fun. It added so much more to, to the series last year. So we feel very proud to have been offered to, to do it this year again. Uh, yep. Again, please uh, leave us a message uh, somehow if you have any idea about guests that you would want to take part in the, in the podcast. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.